front because all of the scripture that's going to be used this morning is in the sermon. And there is a lot of it from a lot of different places. So instead of opening your Bibles and trying to grab every single uh, verse, what I would encourage you to do is find the outline that is in your bulletin, grab a pencil or a pen, and just write the verses down so that you can look them up later, because it's going to help you remember the things that are said today. Let me just uh, open us up with a word of prayer. Our Father God, we come before you this morning knowing that your word is our lamp. It is the light. It guides us and directs us. And by your Holy Spirit, please illuminate our minds, our hearts, our souls in such a way as we hear these things being taught. We appropriate them into our lives and we become forever changed. We pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Well, a few years back, my wife Nancy and I discovered a website on the internet that was dedicated to why people left the Christian faith. And chief among them were the problem of evil. Another one was a killer God as regards war and famine and earthquakes and floods and fires, etc. Then there was... uh, the death of somebody very near to them who they adored and loved and thought they shouldn't have died so quickly. And of course, there's that favorite one, uh, abuse in the church from church members and leaders. Seems to be a common thing. When you are talking to someone about the big questions in life, it won't be long before the discussions will turn to Something having to do with the decrees of God. And this is the logical end of most, if not all, important questions. Make no mistake that there are big questions for many people. And if you don't have a reasonable answer in your own grasp, then God cannot use you as he might. But if you are well equipped in the doctrine of the decrees of God, then you may be of quite valuable service to those searching for the meaning of life with answers that will point them to Jesus Christ. So the main idea of what I want to get at this morning is that understanding the doctrine of the decrees of God not only comforts the believer, you and me, but gives understanding of how the sovereignty of God works out in the grand scheme of history. So let's talk about the decrees of God defined and what they are. The divine decrees of God are the comprehensive plans for the world and its history that the Lord God sovereignly established in eternity. Now, our congregation is a member of the Westminster Presbyterian Church. Australia. That name comes from the fact that back at the time of the Uniting Church forming itself and leaving a bunch of churches by themselves, the Presbyterian churches in in WA, 
didn't really want to have much to do with the Westminster Confession of Faith. So a group of people broke off and formed a denomination called the Westminster Presbyterian Church. And the Westminster Confession of Faith is the uh, subordinate document of our, of our denomination. We believe that what the Bible says is encapsulated in chapters that can, can basically point it, push it all together for you. And in the third chapter of the Westminster Confession of Faith, the paragraph number one says, it puts it this way, from the wise and holy counsel of his own will, God from all eternity freely and unchangeably appointed whatsoever comes to pass. Yet because of this, God is not the author of sin, nor is the will of the creatures violated, nor is the freedom or contingency of second causes removed, but rather established. And then the Westminster Divines put verses together to show how that is actually the case. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 says, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Before the foundation of the world. Uh, Verse 11 says, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him, who works all things according to the counsel of his will. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7 says, But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. Romans chapter 11, verses 33 to 36 Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how unscrutable are his ways. For who has known the mind of God or has been his counselor or has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. James chapter 1. James chapter 1 verse 13 says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. And he himself tempts no one. That takes one excuse away right away, doesn't it? Acts chapter 22, verse 23 says, This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. In other words, there was always a plan involved in the crucifixion of Jesus. Acts chapter 4, 27 to 28. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Now, in the Westminster Shorter Catechism, question number one, it tells us that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And as such then so is the chief end of God to glorify himself and enjoy himself forever. 
We read in Isaiah chapter 43, verses 6 to 7, I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Now, some people object to this doctrine, saying that it, it is inconsistent with what we perceive as our human responsibilities, leaving us with no free will. Further, they argue that such a doctrine renders all history as meaningless when all actions are decreed events. Well, in answer to that, even though Adam's fall and Christ's crucifixion were included in God's eternal decrees, and that evil actions were entertained by humans in both, Scripture clearly indicates that God's decrees do not force the outcome of events in space and time. Humans act freely, but not irresponsibly. They do precisely what commands they are not to do. I know that as a fact. And so we are without excuse. Needless to say, this doctrine is not popular or taught in other evangelical denominations and churches. A second thing that we want to know is, by, by way of definition of the decrees, is that they are unconditional. Although God knows whatever may or can come about under all supposed uh, conditions, Yet he has not appointed anything because he foresaw it in the future. Or because it would come about because of certain conditions. In other words, everything was planned first. Actions of God are not a response to something that has happened. But God planned everything before anything was ever made or anybody ever made any decision about anything. 1 Samuel, there's a good example of this in 1 Samuel chapter uh, 23, verses 11 to 12, where King David is about, he's surrounded, he's, about, he's in deep trouble here. Will the men of Keilah surrender me into his hand? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord of God of Israel, please tell your servant. And the Lord said, he will come down. Then David said, will the men of Keilah surrender me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, they will surrender you. Here, in the following verses, God gave them a scenario that David heard and was instructed by, and then he completely avoided. Okay? In Romans chapter 9, verses 10 to 18... We hear a powerful passage at work here. And not only so, but also when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac, though they were not yet born and had not done nothing, either good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of the works, but but because of him who calls, 
She was told the older will serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau I hated. What shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very person, I raised you up that I might show my power to you and that my name will be proclaimed in all the earth. So then he has mercy on whom he wills and he hardens whomever he wills. The Bible nowhere suggests that humans are free from God's divine decretive will or his providential governing of their lives. In fact, quite the opposite is affirmed. Uh, Romans chapter 11, verse 36 says, For from him and through him and to him are all things to him be glory forever. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6 says, Yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom all things are, and, and for whom we exist, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom all things are, through whom we exist. That puts it in perspective, doesn't it? I think David said it best, though, in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verses 11 to 14. He says... Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you. You rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. But who am I? And what is my people? That we should be able to thus to offer willingly. For all things come from you. And of your own we have given you. There's another thing that the decrees point out. They have to do with everlasting life. And death. By God's decision, some human beings and even angels are appointed beforehand to everlasting life, and others are assigned beforehand to everlasting death. For all, all for the display of the glory of God. And this was all done before the foundations of the earth. For God's own glory. Romans chapter 9 verses 19 to 23 says, Well, you will say to me then, well, why does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to the molder, why have you made me like this? Has not the potter the right to say over the clay to make out of the same lump 
Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, why have you made it? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? What if God, choosing to show his wrath and to make his power known, has endured with much patience vessels, vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he prepared beforehand for glory? In 1 Timothy 5.21, it says, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and the elect angels, I charge you to keep these rules without prejudging, doing nothing from partiality. Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So we know this does happen. Proverbs chapter 16 verse 4 says, The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked, for the day of trouble. And that brings us to our last point in this section. When we talk about defining what the decrees are, we're talking about a maximum number and details. These angels and humans so assigned beforehand, are particularly and unchangeably planned. And their number is so reliable and definite that it cannot be either increased or decreased. Now this is very encouraging in that if you kind of blow it when you're speaking to somebody about Jesus, you're having an even an evangelistic go at something, trying to tell people about Jesus and what he's done on the cross, and you mess it up, well, that person's not lost because you blew it, or I blew it. Everyone who has been elected from before the world ever began will come to faith. Through you or through somebody else. You can be the seed. You can be the planter. You can be the one who finally gathers it up. But that will happen. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19 says, But God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone whose names, who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. And John chapter 13, the first part of verse 18 says, I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen. Now, let's be clear that the decrees of God uh, talk about grace. The grace of God. Decreeing grace as it goes. It involves organizing the rescue. Those of humankind who are appointed beforehand to life, God has chosen in Christ for everlasting glory. Before the founding of the world, in keeping with his eternal and changeable plan, and the secret counsel and good pleasure of his will. This is from his sheer free grace and love. And it stands quite apart from any foresight of faith on your part, or any good works on our parts, or our 
uh, persistence in either one of them or any other creaturely factor or conditions or causes influencing God to this love and to this grace. Everything was done for the praise of his glorious grace. We sang that song this morning, didn't we? There is no wink, wink, nudge, nudge stuff going on here. Nothing you can do ever impresses God enough to save your soul. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 to 12, points this out very, very clearly. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that which should be holy and blameless before him, that we should be holy and blameless before him, in love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through the Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in heaven. Uh, in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to his count, the counsel of his will, so that we were the first to hope in Christ might be to the glory, uh, praise of his glory. And then 2 Timothy chapter, nine, verse, uh, chapter 1 verse 9. He uh, who saved us and called us to his to be a holy calling, not because our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Do you love that? Before the ages began. When we talk about God's grace in the decrees, we see clearly that it's for everyone, but not to everyone. Just as God has appointed the chosen for glory, so he appointed beforehand all the means to it out of the eternal and most free design of God's holy will. God did this in such a way so that those who are redeemed by Christ having fallen in Adam are effectively called to faith in Christ through the Spirit working in due time. And then they are put in the right. They're adopted. They're set apart. They're kept by his power through faith for salvation. Only the chosen are redeemed by Christ. Effectively called, put in the right, adopted, set apart, saved, and no one else. Not the Jew the Muslim, the Hindu, the Buddhist, the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Mormons, the free-spirited New Ager, the cynic, the agnostic, the atheist, the rich or the powerful. As a group, none of them count. From each one of those groups, there might be, by the movement of God's Holy Spirit, a change of the heart, a cleansing, to the point where they discover that they are elect. And God processes through the rest of that. We're talking here about God's elect. This is to whom God has given grace. 
First Peter chapter one, verse two, according to the foreknowledge of the, of God, the father in sanctification of the spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. First Thessalonians chapter two, verses 13 and 14. And we also thank God consistently, constantly for this, that when we received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as it really was, the word of God, which is at work in you, believers. For you, brothers, became imitators of the church of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. You have suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews. Romans chapter 8, verses 8 to 20, uh, 29 to 30. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. John 17 is Jesus' high priestly prayer. Just before he goes to the cross. And he says in verse 9, I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. John chapter 6, verses 64 to 65 has Jesus saying this, But there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who, who it was who would betray him. And he said, That is why I told you, that no one can come to me unless it is granted to granted him by the Father. John chapter 8 verse 47 says, Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. There's a real mystery here of the decrees. How do these decrees work? Well, God's decree to glorify himself, that's the first one. God decrees to glorify himself through the election of some and the reprobation of others. And then he decrees as a means to that goal, a decree to create those elect and those that are not. Then there's the decree to permit the fall of man in the Garden of Eden. And then the decree to... Provide salvation for the elect through Christ Jesus. So the teaching of this high mystery of appointing beforehand should be treated with very special caution and care. So that by paying attention to the will of God revealed in his word and being obedient to it, you may be assured of having been chosen eternally from the certainty of your effective calling. And in this way, this teaching then will cause you to praise and respect and wonder at God. It will further be cause for your humility, effort, and rich comfort if you honestly obey the gospel. In this way, this teaching will cause you to praise and respect and wonder. It will bring you to humility It will teach you how to respect God the right way. 
Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29 says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. And 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 to 11 says, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, as you can see, the doctrine of these decrees of God, this is able to give a firm footing to answer a myriad of questions that people have about God. And from the decrees, several other major doctrines rise of which are of great great importance that you will understand and be able to articulate clearly what they mean to someone as you engage in gospel talk with them. But even more importantly is the comfort and the strength that we gain personally from such an understanding of the decrees of God. Out of the mass of all humanity destined to eternal condemnation in hell forever for their individual and corporate sins, God in his infinite mercy chooses a people for himself. He chooses us. He changes our hearts. He causes us to repent. And receive the living Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. What a plan. Have you ever seen anything so intricate and all-inclusive? With such a plan, you don't have to worry about the world's destruction through nuclear bombs. Global warming. Radiation or anything else. God's plan is already decreed, and he continues it, as he has always done, to run the universe, your world, and your life according to his divinely decreed plan. Let's pray. Father, we almost giggle with delight to hear such things that you are control in control of all things that you have decreed everything that will come to pass we look at our own hum, human natures which are frail and prone to sin and ask you to make our faith strong Cleanse us with this blood of Christ in a way that it stays with us forever. And allow us to rest in comfort as we seek to be a shining light, salt and light in in a lost and dying world. For we pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.